back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. Bonacera. And your host Hamish. Um, ready to wrap up last week's round. Sorry for a little bit of delay. We've all been uh, soldiering on in our personal lives, but we'll start off with Jersey Flag with a surprise um, big upset result against the Sharks, who are running pretty high up in this competition. Eels 40 to the Sharks 6, 8 tries to 1. Uh, tries coming to Sanders, Fenning, Williams, Jones, Colavardi, Skinner, Komalafi, and sorry, it was a double to Fenning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then only four from eight off the boot, so it could have been a lot bigger. Uh, 26 nil half time. Um, 40. What do you have to report from here? Yeah, we had the uh, privilege of being able to sit down on Monday morning and have a chat with Corey Fenning on the tip sheet and sort of, aside from talking to him about his general approach to life and football, we did mention this game where it was, you know, for the second time this year, everything really clicked for the Parramatta Eels. The other game, obviously, was that one against the Raiders in the nation's capital where I think it was 40 blot. So when they get it going, they're good for a 40-burger. Uh, and, yeah, it was just – it came back to the stuff that we've been talking about on this podcast and 60s and I've been talking about on the Tip Sheet podcast where they held on to the ball, they are able to get through their systems, and suddenly the field opens up. Like th- This is a talented team, and they've just been their own worst enemies for vast stretches of the 2022 season – and despite that, because of the nature of the flag this year being a, a relatively smaller comp to the NRL, they're still in the hunt for the finals. And if they can get there, they're going to make some noise on the provision that they play like they did on uh, Saturday. Well, presently in the top eight now, and they've got a bye coming up this week. So once those bye points are allotted, they could go as high as fourth. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's funny because it's one of those top heavy ladders again, which means that jostling for those uh, back end top eight spots becomes that much more uh, violent, I suppose. But yeah, the, looking at the team that they put out there, uh, Ethan Sanders had a very good game. And I, I know obviously Corey Fenning too was uh, very good, but the forward pack, they went for a different rotation this week. Peter Tatio and Larry Magatutia, two of the younger but more talented uh, middle forwards there. Uh, and Pete's obviously got the ability to play on the edges too. He's, he's pretty flexible in that regard. But yeah, they, they won the ruck and it's no surprise that once you establish a platform, the back line that we have there, which, you know, we mentioned Fenning and Sanders, but Matthew Komalaf is a podcast favourite. He's been very good this year. Um, Lockie Blackburn, Jabril Kalachi, who was also very good. He was linking up nicely with Corey Fenning, causing some trouble down, I want to say, the left edge. Uh, so yeah, it's a very talented team. And it's just, it's been the first time in a while since they've gotten through their sets and haven't shot themselves in the foot, and lo and behold, they can you know duke it out with the best in the competition. Yeah, sorry, I've misled everybody there. Um, I was looking at the uh, New South Wales Cup ladder. Jersey ah. flag, we're, <laughs> we're in ninth, and we're uh, uh, provided Manly lose to Penrith this week, which is quite doable. We can uh, jump them up into the eight. But we're still we're not too far off fourth place in that competition. Seven wins to Cronulla's and Penrith's nine. So there's still, you know, still a bit of football to be played. And if we take care of business, you're going to get deep into that top eight for the uh, very minimum. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, jumping then, uh, we thought we'd be up against it in this uh, competition. And unfortunately, we were Jets, 30, Eels, 10, five tries to two. Mitch Rain and Sean Russell both getting over. Uh, Jordan Rankin, one from two off the boot, down 18 nil at half time. Uh, William McGregor getting himself a couple of penalties there. A couple of errors. Not great. No, no. I suppose that's the uh, subtext for the entire game was hashtag not great. Uh, Parramatta Eels up against the, one of the teams that really took it to them earlier in the year, Newtown Jets, Cronulla's feeder team. I think they entered this week second. Uh, entered that round second on the ladder. They've been very good for long stretches, obviously. Uh, and the Eels, they actually battled a lot better than the scoreboard would suggest in terms of holding on 
out at Henson Park. But unfortunately, it looked like a team that didn't have their halfback. Jake Arthur playing NRL, obviously, on the Friday night against the Warriors. Didn't back up uh, after uh, playing through the middle as the dummy half on Friday night or the, the spare dummy half. And we, while we were valiant defensively against a, a good attacking team, once we got to the red zone, we just looked like a bunch of you know chickens with a head cut off. And we still had some you know senior players there in Mitch Rain and, and Jordan Rankin, but I think Jake's probably been a little bit slept on in terms of his value for organising in this level. And yeah, once we got into the red zone, we just had no plan and we squandered some, in, in the context of the first half and even in the second half, some pivotal moments where we could have hit back and uh, you know even gotten out in front because they scored in the ninth minute. But during that 20-minute run from their first to second try between Hazleton and Iroh, we had some real good stretches of possession where we could have put some points on the board and just couldn't do it. So yeah, very, very frustrating, but in a way somewhat under, like, somewhat able to you know, understand why we struggled. Uh, I was just trying to think of who had good games in this one. Uh, I thought Elsgaham was pretty good, uh, pretty good considering we didn't have you know uh, dominant halves in this game. And then um, off the bench, Tavita Talmapeno, he was pretty solid as well. But it, it, it was pretty slim pickings in terms of standout performers when you get beaten by 20 points. Yeah, well, we know the Jets, they're, they're presently sitting in first in that competition. Uh, a lot of first grade um, players and uh, the, the Sharks, you know, they they have a good system um, coming from all the way down to Harold Matts, all the way up through. So it seems to be bearing fruit. Yeah, and uh, we've actually, we've mentioned on the podcast before, but there's been an interesting like little rivalry building between the two clubs just because we've had dueling classes of good kids through the pathways into the senior football. So Unfortunately, the Jets completed their sweep of us this year in the regulation season. Hopefully, we can knock them back when it counts for all the marbles in the postseason. All right, well, let's jump into first grade. So, Eels are victorious 28 to 18, five tries to three. Wonga Blake with a double, Isaiah Papali'i, Clint Gutherson, Maker Sivo all getting over. Moses, four from five from the boot. Uh, was 10 6 at half time. And just going through some of the main stats, we lost possession by one percentage point 49% 51. We completed at 80%. We outgained Warriors by about 200 metres. Um, Surprising one there is three line breaks to five. So Warriors getting the better of the line breaks. Usually that determines the outcome. Um, down to both teams tackled pretty well in the 92% effective tackle percentage. We missed 17 to the Warriors 19. One intercept being that crucial try to Wonga Blake and 10 ineffective tackles each. 11 errors to Warriors 13. Uh, penalties, we considered 7 to the Warriors 3. Ruck infringements, we considered 4 to the Warriors 3. Um, so, Warriors winning with the, the whistle. Um, I'll start with you, Bertie. You know, good game. Um, I think we played you know, a good 65, 70 minutes of the game. Um, great football. Uh, you know, ran hard. Ran really very well, sorry. Um, defended even better. Um, just We just couldn't catch a ball or not. <coughs> sorry, I had a cough. Every time they bomb it up, we'll just knock it on. You know, the first time they kicked it, uh, we got bowed out by a penalty, but no one could catch a bomb. And, you know, that's that was the only time they looked dangerous, was just bombing it up. And, yeah, it was contagious, you know, with one drop. Every, like, the whole back three were under pressure. Not so much under pressure. Like, they weren't Matt Burton bombs, but we were just struggling. And other than that, um, yeah, it was good to see uh, Wonga Blake. I tipped us, by the way, I tipped it in the podcast last week, uh, Wonga Blake hat-trick, so... I was riding you from yeah. the stands when he scored those first two. I was like, come on, baby, come on. And, uh, yeah, just couldn't quite get there. But if you saw the second try, it looked like um, he was going to pass it back to Sivo, sort of like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but other than that, um, it was a very good performance. Bailey Simonson, you know, he uh, 
look, he does some brilliant. He does some questionable things in defense where he rushes in, does some stupid shit. But then, then again, like he does, like um, he runs the ball so well, and he just, I don't know, he just baffles me. Like he just, he, he reminds me of a better version of Ben Roberts. And I'm not disrespecting him, but the simple things, or there's there's a question mark in him every time. But then he just does some unbelievable things. And other than that, um, yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, a bit cold out there for the people at the crowd, but um. It's just the last 10 minutes, you know, and, you know, you could say it's a one-off, but we did the same thing to the Tigers last week, so maybe they just they just thought, you know, that we can't lose the game, they just, you know, pulled up short, but a uh, bit, bit worrying some, you know, because, you know, it, it should have been like a 13-plus win, but, you know, we didn't win by 10 points, so, yeah, other than that, that's all I got. Well, first off, I want to apologise because 60s and myself gave Todd Smith a massive rap before this game, and uh, unfortunately, he went on to graduate and become a proper good boy NRL ref and learn how to not blow penalties for the Parramatta Eels when the opposition slow down the ruck because the Warriors look like they were the prime Melbourne Storm or Sydney Roosters out there in so far as their ruck spoiling tactics and that was very very frustrating but credit to our boys for persevering through it and not getting frustrated we've seen other teams like the Dragons have success doing exactly that against us and we get disrupted and go away from our game plan that wasn't the case on Friday night Uh, we rolled up our sleeves and got through it Although, like you mentioned, Bertie, those last couple of tries at the end of a game sort of put a bit of a sour twist on what should have been an otherwise pretty good victory. Uh, this was uh, you know, almost back to basics for us. Our forward pack were really good. I thought both Junes and Reg did exactly what we needed them to, which was uh, in particular for Junes, I think was quite impressive given he was backing up for one of the most physical origin clashes we've seen in quite a long time, in which he actually played good minutes too, by the way. Um, but the back row, outstanding again. I thought Sean Lane was really good. Um, he's been you know, low-key, and I know we've, we've mentioned him on the podcast, but I just I do want to give him some more props because perhaps amongst the wider fan base, he probably hasn't gotten as many plaudits as he would have otherwise gotten because of guys like Ice and Matter who have been so good in 2022. But yeah, Sean Lane was really good. And off the bench, um, you know, the numbers aren't incredible, but I thought Makahesi Makatoa brought a bit of energy. You know, It was good to see because we've been waiting uh, for Maka to sort of show what he showed in 2021, and I thought even if it was only 10 carries for 102 metres – he was actually getting over the advantage line and starting to threaten. So really happy there. Fought the left edge and Micah and Wonga combined really nicely and that's good to see that Micah's you know, come back from that knee injury in arguably career-best shape. Uh, and I, I, when I say that, I know he has got a great top gear because of that try that Wonga scored off the intercept where Micah knew very quickly he was not going the distance. But he actually did a great job pulling in the uh, cover defence back infield to open up that running lane for, Mike, uh, for Wonga sorry, down the sideline. And yeah, and I thought Dylan and Mitch, Mitch in particular, was probably the, the biggest star there, but I thought the halves were very good. And perhaps most importantly, while Reed Marnie had a couple of possessions where we, he probably lost direction off six against, the two try assists suggested that he might be rounding back into something that resembles form. So by and large, a good win. Uh, it certainly wasn't flawless. Those last uh, couple of tries that we bled were very frustrating. But uh, I think it's a, a nice build-on from that West Tigers win, and it positions us pretty well for what's coming in the the game tomorrow. Yeah, I think Amira, all all you had to say there, Forty, was a, a do your effing job sort of game. Um, where <laughs> That's a good way of it. For ninety five percent of the game, everybody did do their job, and I thought, um, you know, credit to Warriors, they came out. Yeah. They were um, they were very hard uh, in the ruck. Their line speed was really good for about fifty odd minutes, I, and um, they really put our forwards to the test. I have to say, I am so over 
opposition teams just coming out and playing essentially like season best performances against us. And it's not like we're letting them. They're just some of these teams like the Warriors is just coming out and playing great football, not dropping the ball, competing in the ruck, you know, attacking when the opportunities present itself. And it's, it feels like it's every week for us. We're getting so many teams at their best. And Tohu Harris, that bloke, he is so good. Um, I thought he really led um, from the front for, for the Warriors. Um, obviously, he's their captain, but, um, you know, I thought he was, he was fantastic. Game. Uh, quick line speed. It's a, it's a matter of interpretation, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I, I understand quick line speed, speed, but he was the first one. And like, It's not even like the first tackle. He was cutting off the play. If you look at him, man, he's got to be offside. He, he, he's a plotter out the, there. The crowd were baying for penalties all game. The Warriors were certainly, uh, on top of slowing the ruck, were being very aggressive with their offside marks. And, you know, credit credit to, to them. You play to the whistle, and if the referee's not going to blow it, then you just keep creeping. And that's what they did to great effect. But like I said, the Eels didn't get uh, put off balance by it, and, you know, they just capitalised when the opportunities present themselves. So, yeah, it was good to see, because when a team does that to us, like I said, the Dragons have been pretty good at it too. Uh, it can be... Very disruptive for us, but thankfully Moses and uh, Dylan steadied the ship there. Well, I think one thing that's sort of come from the season is that this team has seemed to have its eyes on the finals. Um, and if you're looking for a finals representative game, it's probably one like this where, um, you know, people are going to be creeping on the 10. Uh, you're not going to get penalties. You're not going to get six against for that unless they're obviously blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's good practice to get in. And I, I, I thought, you know, whilst it was only 10-6 at halftime, might have got a little bit lucky with that intercept. It could have gone either way. Um, if Obviously, if Sebo doesn't catch it, um, it, it, it was sort of one of those games where we just stuck in and stuck to our guns. And, you know, you played to the uh, Moses definitely with his kicking game, um, some of those short shapes and then running it back under and not being too uh, quick to get uh, try spread the ball early. Um, although that last try, was it the last try that we scored that was length of the field or was it the one before? The Sevo try in the corner? Yeah, was that the one where we spread it from our own? Yeah, end? so it was a kick return yeah. and we quickly spied. I actually, I, you know, it, it's a bit lame to take uh, credit for it, but I was in the stands and said straight away, spread it, spread it, because you could see it developing. And uh, Garfo saw it immediately too. And it was some great backing up by the boys to get on side and make that happen. And seeing Sevo lay out like that was great. I don't know if he thought he had the legs for it, but he got there and it was a great team try. Uh, but yeah, that was a yeah, good point, Hamish, because it's the sort of football that you need to be prepared to play when it comes to those circumstances in the postseason or close to the postseason. And given our run, we're going to see more and more of those tactics. And having a little bit of preparation with the Warriors certainly isn't going to be a bad thing as we look forward. Yeah, and I think especially, you know, in that middle period where we're up and down each week, um, especially when we're playing uh, teams that we are expected to beat and, and beat easily, uh, when we've been challenged like that in the forwards, um, we've gone to water and just tried to shift too quickly mm-hmm. um, to the sidelines to go around. And I thought this was sort of a lesson in, in a bit of maturity from the squad to, you know, get down. And as I said from the beginning, do your effing job. Yep. Um, and um, I thought, you know, Reg is going out there. He's got a point to prove. He was really good. Um, Junes, you know, he backed up really well. But I thought, like, the two bench players um, that had come on and, you know, we'd been a little bit down on their their impact, but uh, the gun and uh, Makatoa probably had their best games uh, in the blue and gold for, for a long period of time. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it, when you have your rotation for – I mean, we, we know that Junes, and Reg are the pillars of our forward pack when it comes to the middle but having those two guys come in and and just help carry the load makes such a difference and I suppose the other thing that made such a difference was the fact that we got first points for like the first time in forever Uh, we weren't chasing early points and it allowed us to stick to the plan when the Warriors started getting a little cheeky 
and yeah, that was good. But yeah, good shout out for both Oggy and Maka. And I think it's just going to it's going to be a part of our game that should hopefully go from strength moving forwards, given we're going to get a big boost this week. Yeah, exactly. And so you're not relying upon your main impact man is uh, is Birdie's man uh, Hakuna Murata. and so it's nice to we'll be getting him back on the bench, but knowing you can rely on um, some of your other forwards to get the job done, um, especially when we seem to be playing with three forwards on the bench every week. Um, and that sort of 17th man is going to be subject to change. I think BA is going to play around with that for the next couple of, well, we've got, what, seven rounds left to see what he wants to go with uh, uh, in the finals. I suppose speaking of, an interesting little note or subtext to this game was the fact that Jake Arthur got a few uh, minutes working as a relief dummy half. And, you know, it, that on two accounts is probably noteworthy in that uh, Reed we know, can get a little bit gassed if he goes to the full 80 in some of these more torrid contests and having someone that can spell him is ideal. And B, we know that you know, for all the outcry that fans had earlier in the season when we had the, the backline crisis, we, we knew that Jake isn't going to supplant either of Mitch or Dill. And it looks like he's trying to find his own pathway to first grade outside of that and becoming something more of a, I suppose, not super utility, but you know, something of a Swiss army knife being able to cover the halves, dummy half, and maybe even back rolls he starts to fill out because he's got a big frame. He's nearly 190. Uh, maybe that might be his ticket to seeing a bit of first-grade football. Yeah, potentially in that – I think Jake has more more skill as a half than, than Madison did. Um, but perhaps, you know, as he develops and gets a bit bigger and whatever else, that might be his calling, especially with the, the sort of lock that we play across the NRL moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that – um, it was good to see the back back three really uh, chewing up some meters as well. I, I thought Sivo that was obviously his uh, breakout game um, after coming back from that knee reconstruction. Um, Wanga Blake backing up, and um, I, I think we sort of touched on it the first, but in in the the, the um, intercept try, uh, Maker knowing he didn't have the legs for it, but <laughs> he, he he didn't lose his call. He just no. he drawed, Football he drew smarts. the man, he, and he, he uh, worked in Wanga field. Blake. He took the cover chase away from Wanga and gave him that free lane down the sideline. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've seen plenty of people stuff that up. So, um, yeah, I thought uh, it was a really good piece of work there. Um, but obviously, before you already touched on it, um, this could have been something where, you know, if but for the last five minutes, it would have been, what, a 28-6 to six win and yeah. we would have all been crowing. It's just unfortunate that they let themselves down in the last five minutes just – with a couple of lapses there defensively on the edge. Yeah, um, we, we mentioned that Jake experimenting at dummy half and that probably weak in the middle. Alongside, I think they took off some the, the two you know prime front rollers there in Reg in June. So we weren't without a unit for the ruck and the Warriors were able to get a foothold there. And then uh, that led to the first try. And then the second try, I think uh, Wanga made, he made the read, but then just didn't make the tackle. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to review the tape there, but he came up and it sort of had the guy and then didn't complete the tackle and that allowed them to score the second try. And like you said, Hamish, suddenly, you know, we we're only up by 10 points. And while we obviously we're going to win the game comfortably, it goes from being a, a real, you know, gold star performance because that second half defense up until that point was mint. And then suddenly, you know, there's some, some uh, interesting notes to come out of the video review for the boys, I, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. It would have been quite frustrating. And given that we'd done the same thing against West the week before, mm-hmm. um, I assume at the back end of this game, that was probably a uh, uh, focus of BA to end the game strongly. And uh, they, they didn't stand up and do that, um, which is quite unfortunate. But, um, you know, we've got the next four weeks coming up, which will be the true test. Um, all right. Well, I think that will wrap up the review. And then jumping into some news. So I guess the first one would be... Uh, um, Nathan Brown lost, like we know, he, he's he's meant to be 
he's been told that he can chop himself around wherever and will release him. Um, but the name that came into effect this week was uh, Melbourne Storm, possibly because they've been rebuked by the uh, the Dragons to get um, Sims early. So um, what do we think on that? Is that somebody we'd release early? The Storm don't seem to be, um, or at least it hasn't been reported that they're interested in him for next year. It's more to stop to up there. Because uh, they're starting to fall apart at the seams, aren't they? They've just had some big blows handed to them back to back. Um, yeah, it's one of those ones where you're always leery of helping an opposition, you know, shore up or strengthen themselves, especially since Melbourne are, you know, almost a given as one of the big dominoes to have to topple in the run to the grand final. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of factors running from my head here because I think it was revealed earlier this year that you can uh, cycle – uh, a maximum of 5% of a given year's cap into the next year. So even if we weren't able to go and sign a player, that will become a factor for the Parramatta Reels if they can keep enough space open to roll into season 2023, which given that we're going to, you know, hopefully still be recruiting or maybe getting a player staying that wouldn't have been staying otherwise uh, in ice, we probably do need the cap space. So I, I would be open to a release on the provision that there is a benefit for the Parramatta Reels. Uh, obviously if Brownie gets a bit frustrated that he's stuck in reserve grade and starts agitating that opens up a, a discussion in and of itself we've seen a lot of players in the past that if a relationship becomes toxic and I, I don't know if it has between Brownie and the Eels uh, but you know you've you got to have considerations for that but yeah it's an interesting call Hamish because if he was going to West or even the Dragons or something like that guys that you're not worried about then it's probably an easy say okay you know best of luck in your future endeavours but Helping out a team like the Melbourne Storm, I don't know. It, it always it always leaves you a little bit leery and a little bit hesitant. Yeah, very much so. Um, I guess the next bit of news would be the the BA um, coaching shopped rumor. <laughs> um, all I can say is that it's quite bizarre. Um, I don't know where it's come from. I don't know what the ploy was behind it. Whether it's his manager actually shopping, or whether it's just one of those things where it's like you know, there's a couple of jobs coming up for coaches at the end of this year, and somebody's just said, "How about we try and get BA?" and they make an inquiry, and <laughs> he's not actually being shopped. It's just yeah, yeah. Knows? There's a number of things that fit in the context of what we know of rugby league and play. Well, I say player, but coach managers too. Um, they they love to frame a market for their clients, and that could have been the case here where. Uh, his manager went out with Brad Arthur being off contract end of uh, 2024, um, you know, going out and seeing what's there and maybe using that as leverage against a, a future deal for the Eels. Or maybe, like you said, the the, the team that was uh, shopped to actually approach them. Who knows? R- rugby league's weird. Player managers are weird. Um, uh, Arthur was very quick to shut down the rumours. And from everything I know and everything we know, I think this is his dream job. And it'll be a case of the club getting rid of him, not him leaving the club uh, in, in those circumstances. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting him to see out his contract at the very minimum. Bertie, did you have any thoughts on this uh, strange turn of affairs? I, d- I don't know. Look, you have Danny Wilder, sorry, you have Danny Wilder come out and say a club, a city club has come, has told me Brad Arthur's management has offered their service. So I don't know, <clears throat> why would Danny Wilder say it like usually he'll just you know i don't know i don't get it like who who gains it's a weird one because as i said why would they widely come out and say it like now pretty much he's oh, it's, know, a, it's a great rugby league story for him now, that's why he'd come out of it even if there was barely anything to it and maybe there is something to it maybe there isn't who knows of rugby league but uh anything paramount is always going to be a good headline especially when it comes to head coach drama so 
That's it. But see, now, whenever Danny Wilder will say anything, everyone's going to be like, oh, he's just full of shit. He's full of shit. Like, it's Don't people already say that? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It's just... It's, okay, put it this way. The way I view Danny Widler is saying, like, Hooper, like, it's sort of like in, the, in NFL terms, you know, when Chef tweets something or, or, like, Ian Rappaport. Like, these guys, they've sort of got, like, a following and they don't don't lie or don't... They, they don't have to lie to make a story, if that makes sense. So, and I just feel as though... It, it, it was very odd. If he just said, um, Brad Arthur... Like, if he didn't say, like, a, a club has spoke to me, has told me personally, then it'll be all right. But he, the fact is, he really wanted it. Because, like I say, he wanted to get, like, some, you know, recognition, but... I don't know, look, Brad Arthur's here till 2024, as the players keep saying. Who knows? Yeah, it doesn't even fit with, like, my whole theory on the ice um, sort of question about will he, won't he with West Tigers is he's just trying to bump up his contract. Um, given that he's had a second year in great form, he's probably getting unders at the West Tigers at this point. Um, so, you know, you can sort of, I know, everybody else wants to be a bit more hopeful, but um, there doesn't seem to be any way for him to get out of that contract at the moment. I guess the next best thing is to, to get yourself a little raise. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any of those sort of happenstance with this BA rumour, so it's just, it's very strange. Um, but as you said, Arthur's shut that down very quickly, whereas Ice has not. Um, so that might be somewhat telling. Um, the next bit of news was the, the, the death threats from two youths to Moses, um, which is, again, quite what bizarre. Um, I mean... Uh, Friday night was so weird because going into the stadium all of a sudden there was extra staff metal like the handheld metal detectors everywhere and it's like what's going on and then it comes out post game that there's the deference for Mitch and you got a police escort to and from and then uh, what was it a 15 and a 16 year old uh, yeah something like that the, the North Sydney police work in conjunction with uh, I think it was the Greenacre uh, branch and they end up uh, you know putting out a statement on uh, I want to say Tuesday and yeah just seriously uh, the internet's done a lot of good things, but uh, when it comes to anonymity on social media and whatnot, just to make some people, it's like you know they've got the liquid courage of, of alcohol, but even worse, they just act like such wankers, and the, there's no space in the game or in society for behaviour like that. Yeah, it's rather unfortunate, but you know it's uh, it's not uh, just in league. It seems to be across all sorts of sports. I think we saw the, the fireworks going off in the Wallabies clash on on Saturday night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was a strange game. You had an idiot on the stand, like that was a that, that was the that, that was some of my little brother's school school class. I'm pretty certain, and he has always been a loose unit. So uh, no surprise. He also there. works for Channel Nine. Apparently, yeah, he does work for Channel Nine, and I think he's in a bit of trouble. So um, so soon to be on Fox Sports. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a yeah. Sports, yeah, sports is a, yeah. Well, the other little thing, I suppose. Speaking of early releases. Um, I think it was a little, was it maybe the mole or something like that? There was a, a little blurb about how the Eels had approached the Panthers about an early release for Jermaine Hopgood. And um, seeing as he's not seeing any first grade football, despite the six or seven players they've had in representative football, uh, the Eels were trying to, you know, boost their back row stocks. And I think Penrith said no. But given that we play them next week in round 20, maybe that we might come knocking again once that game's done. Um, and then, yeah, I was just going to ask you, when's the, the transfer window closed now? Is it first week of August? <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, say, say that again. I, I believe that. it's the first week of August. I don't know if there's a hard and fast date or just the end of the first week of August. So, um, okay, yeah, uh, that, that would be cutting it very close, but I imagine we'd make another push for it at the very least. And the worst you can get is a no. Do you think it's if, like, let's just say Nathan Brown, we release him, we pretty much have to fill our spot, and that's why we're looking at that, or? Do you do you have like are you guys worried about our depth at back row because 
Um, I, f- I feel good, but it's just well, yeah. it's uh, I, I don't know where we're at with our top thirty right now because we uh, might have a couple of spots open that you're meant to fill by this like the coming deadline of the season. So uh, we got guys like Kai Rodwell who are a decent a development right now who can or second tier who could be bumped up to top thirty. And I think Rodwell's one of those players that really you know stands out as an easy candidate for an upgrade if you're forced to or mandated to fill out a, a top 30 spot. So I think he'd, he'd shore up the back row depth. And obviously, you'd like to get Hopgood because I think he's a talented player and can add a lot to a team. But looking at our options internally, you've got guys like Ogden. He's not a back row, but he could definitely be bumped up the top 30 if you need to. And then maybe someone like Elskahem, who was 18th man on Friday, which something we didn't talk about. But that's a interesting little nod towards him, maybe edging closer to a potential first-grade debut at some point this season. So there's guys there, I think, that can you know heed the call if it has to come. Yeah, Brendan Hands, he could be handy. <laughs> yeah, Hands is that uh, you know utility guy, which uh, I don't know if he's going to be an option for this year. But I am looking forward to seeing if he can force his way into that conversation, if not this year, but next year maybe. Yeah, I think we're. I don't know if we'll be doing that much experimentation in the back end of the season unless it's forced by injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we're pretty settled. the The main question at, at large at the moment is the seventeenth player, but no, we know that that won't be filled by Will Smith now that he's signed over in H. Uh, is that Hull HR KR Hull KR Hull KR Hull KR? That's one. Um, but yeah, it looks like we're we're probably going to be running on what we've got. Um, hopefully, no injuries. It's the only thing we can well, say. Well, we, we paid our dues earlier this year, so if there are any football gods out there, they can maybe give us a little bit of benevolence for once because we went through uh, <laughs> that backline crisis this year and then the hooker crisis last year. Uh, there's something that you haven't seen too often amongst most teams in the competition. So there's no, like, TPG – sorry, TPJ. <laughs> I keep getting them too mixed up. There's no, like, player signed with another club next year who might want to get a release. Well, there was – I saw a talk about uh, – you mentioned that the – the Storm are looking to bolster their forces of Brownie, Hamish. I, I saw a report on R/NRL about Reese Walsh maybe being the mercenary for this year for the Storm, given that they've got a crisis of fullback now. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some TPJ-like transactions in the coming week or two as uh, players go ring-chasing ahead of their new deals elsewhere. Yeah, probably a good shout-out there. So next two weeks is crucial to see where everything lies. Um, all right, we're ready to jump into the preview? Yes, sir. So we've got buys in the flag and uh, reserve grade. So it'll see just one game this week played tomorrow night, Thursday, the 21 July, 7.50 p.m. at Combank Stadium. Uh, broadcast on 9K, Foxtel, etc. And let's go through the team list, which we'll see for the Broncos. Tessie New sitting at fullback. Uh, on the wings, Jordan Pereira and Corey Oates in the centres. Katoni Staggs and Brenko Lee. The halves are Ezra Mam and Captain Reynolds at halfback and Adam Reynolds at halfback and captain. Uh, the forwards are Corey Jensen, Payne Haas, Jake Turpin, Kurt Capel, Jordan Ricky are on the second row, and Pat Carrigan at lock. The interchange bench is Corey Pakes, Kobe Hetherington, Thomas Flegler, and Keenan Palacia. The extended bench, Dean Mariner, Hosking, Kennedy, Hoyter, and Tamare Martin. Then for the Eels, we'll see Clint Gutherson, captain and fullback. On the wings, make Sebo, Bally Simonson. Centers, Will Panasini, Wonga Blake. In the halves, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses. The forwards are Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo, Reed Marley at hooker. Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali in the second row. Ryan Madison returns at lock. The interchange change bench is Makahesi Makatoa, Jake Arthur, Oregon Kafusi, Murata Neokore. Extended bench, Kai Rodwell, Offa Hickey Ogden, Bryce Cartwright, Tom Opacic, and Sean Russell. 
Bertie, start with you. Where do you see some weaknesses for the Broncos? Oh, weaknesses. I feel we've got to target um, Adam Reynolds. You know, do pretty much do what the Dragons did, but just, you know, just don't take him out like head eye tackles or anything like that. But um, I look, must destroy team, you. Yeah, this Broncos team. Um, they they like to break they break a lot of tackles. You know, Jordan Pereira is a very hard guy to get down. Like um, you know, the Dragons days. You know, he just kept busting tackles. Um, even Oates, Stags, like you know. So if the boys don't um. You know, fire up and uh, have their first contact like um, crucial. We're gonna we're gonna have like you know fifty plus tackles, broken tackles. Sorry, so you know I'm 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 a bit wary. You know, this isn't the same Broncos team that we've you know we've we've won easily against the past couple of years. But um, yeah, a lot of uh, second place football through them and yeah, forty. Yeah, I think Bertie makes a great point about trying to pressure Adam Reynolds. You cannot give him free reign and and an open slaver to target his kicks because he's so good. He will make you pay. Uh, badly, and it's something that we've probably been a little bit lax on. I think we were okay against the Warriors. There was a little bit of kick pressure, but uh, during our sort of struggles or a consistency, one of the big things that stood out to me was a lack of kick pressure. So they've got to bring that to this game. And, and you know, once again, it's simple for Parramatta. Get to it in the middle. Go after Corey Jensen, who's not a star front role by any means. Get after Payne Haas and his dodgy frozen shoulder. If he wants to play this week, make him pay. You know, obviously, you know, nothing nasty or, or, you know, illegal, but make him know that he's playing the Parramatta Eels, one of the best forward packs in the competition. You know, rumble it through the middle and then create your opportunities out wide. Their back line is missing a couple of key cogs, no Selwyn Cobbo, no Lovebug, no Herbie Farnworth. So they've still got some strike there. Tessie New is a bit of a wild card, but Oates is having a good year. Katoni Staggs is a beast. So there's still guys you've got to respect that way. Uh, but, you know play our football and it's going to you know go a long way towards winning this game i do want to shout out ezra mam who has been really really good this year and probably uh, a low key if not maybe high key uh, chance at rookie of the year he's been great for the broncos as a partner to adam reynolds yeah he's really stood out um my my um view on it all and watch a bit of broncos recently is uh the short kicking game of Dill Brown and Mitch Moses should come to the fore uh, when we're down attacking the Broncos line because uh, Tessie knew he's not very good on a uh, rolling ball. So um, a couple of those kicks in behind and, um, you know, we've seen blokes from the edge come in and, and, and score some tries where Tessie knew hasn't been in the frame. So that's certainly somebody to, to pick out. But, um, you know, across the park, they're pretty... Um, pretty capable team, obviously having the same amount of wins as we do coming in and... Um, this game really uh, to, to to really want to impress our top four chances we need to be winning it um, and to knock Broncos out of the race for a top four as well because um, we've got to play them again up at Suncorp Stadium later in the season um, which is a bit unfortunate in the draw that you play them what five weeks apart the NRL do love doubling up on a, on a head-to-head within four or five weeks don't they it just becomes such a regular of the draw if you play a team in round four you can almost expect that if you've got to play them twice that year before round 10, you're going to have that round that comeback matchup. So I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, the Eels come into this game with a five-game win streak against the Broncos, dating back to the uh, back end of 2019, where there was that controversial one-point loss where I think uh, the Fafita was still at the, uh, yeah, the team. David Fafita, yeah. And he ran behind a, an obstruction to set up a field goal, uh, which uh, the NRO actually... as well from yeah. the, the markers. Yeah. The markers got taken so, out. So I know that the Broncos are a different beast this year. I think the acquisitions of Adam Reynolds and the back rower Capewell have really added that you know salt and pepper seasoning to the the young guys that have always been talented but haven't been able to fully realise it. And Kevy Walters has obviously done a pretty good job as the head coach this year. But the, we do have a good matchup in terms of styles against them. 
and we can't take you know their new version for granted. But I think that if we play our football, we should be able to not coast away for good an easy win, but you know have a pretty solid framework for victory. Yeah, I think definitely. I think Broncos have uh, certainly matched it with some of the top teams, but I think. Um you know, in this first year, uh, top eight, uh, well, sorry, this is a second uh, second year under the Kevolution, but I guess the first year with actually having um, a more rounded out squad and him having his uh, uh, DNA all over this team as opposed to, well, that, that was a really bad turn of phrase, um, <laughs> him having a hand in the roster that's coming out at the moment. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think they're still obviously um, leaning into it and they're uh, – don't have their, their best fullback there. As Forty you touched on, they're missing some of their um, players in the back line. Um, and there is a little bit of that, um, I guess, baby Broncos about them with uh, Ezra Mam. He's, he hasn't had all that much time in the first grade, although he's been playing fantastically, uh, fantastic, rather. Um, and then looking at the halves as well, Jake Turpin, um, he's been on the outer for, for a long period of time at Broncos. And from what I understand, they're trying to get rid of him at this yeah, point. Yeah, they're... Um, uh, dummy half is definitely... I say this knowing full well that Paramount Reels love to make a, you know, also ran dummy half look like a superstar. We did it with Fatamanu Brown a couple of weeks ago, but uh, this uh, this is the big weakness of their team is that they've got a good halves pairing now with that, uh, you know, mixture of youth and experience with Reynolds and Mam. And at fullback, it's a little bit of a wild card. Tessie New is capable of brilliance just as well as capable of, uh, you know, Ben Roberts-esque errors as, you know, Bertie invoked that name earlier this podcast. But at dummy half, yeah, uh, you know, Pakes hasn't really panned out, you know, given he had a high pedigree as a young talent and they're sort of being juggling between uh, Pakes, Turpin and, and Walter's young lad who's actually been pretty good this year but he's out of injury this week. So, yeah, it, our ability to win the ruck and, and maybe capitalise on their lack of, uh, you know, not experience but quality at dummy half could be telling. Yeah, definitely. I think at our best, you know, we win this one um, and we should win it by, you know, one or two tries at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, uh the last two weeks, we've, I, th- I thought, built well and we've just had those lapses um, at the end of games. But this, this week's one where we're about to go on a really hard four-game streak and uh, we, we want to get it right in this first game. Mm-hmm. All right, Bertie, first try score, eventual score. Uh, I want to go Ryan Madison. Uh, I feel as though uh, we missed him last uh, couple of weeks, especially last week. Um, you know, I feel as though a crash, you know, crash ball who ran over the top of um, Pakes. No, Pakes, is that his name? No, Turpin, sorry. And um, I'm tipping a very close game. I'm tipping 26-24 power win. I just, look, I'm not disrespecting. I don't want to disrespect them. You have to respect this team because, like, you know, any um, team that has the <coughs> Kurt Capewell, you know, set of origin player, uh, Payne Haas also in a set of origin. Like, even Carrigan, he's a Wally Lewis medal winner. Like, he can't, look, we're not going to run over them. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's literally going to come down to our backs. You know, we've got the more strike power in our backs, even though they've got Tony Staggs. Um, if this was like a full-strength Broncos team, you know, I could be swinging the other way just because they just... Oh, look, every time I feel confident we're going to smash someone or we're going to beat them, we get a hard game, man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's been a very close game, you know. Yeah, if we beat them, if we flog them like, like the Broncos of old, I'll be happy, but uh, I'll take a two-point win any day of the week. 40? Yeah, this is one of those ones where if we play our football, I know the Broncos are a good team, we could absolutely blow them out. But I, I just think the way we've been building, the emphasis isn't going to be on being reckless and, and trying to you know load up the scoreboard. I think we'll try and go for a, another solid victory as we work towards that big game the week after. And we're not going to you know not we're not going to take our eyes off the Broncos, thinking about the Panthers. But I think we just want to build 
and that's why I'm going to tip a, a 20 to 10 win. And I think I'll go – it's a – it's hard to say no to our left edge because they're really humming along nicely now and that combination between Micah and uh, and Wanga just by themselves is strong, let alone the factors of uh, Brown and Lane inside them. But I think given that what he's been through the last week uh, in terms of the, the absolute garbage from those uh, 15, 16-year-old kids and then what he's dealing with in the media with you know a hit piece by Paul Crawley, um, I'm going to tip in Mitchell Moses for first try scorer and, and man of the match. I think he's going to absolutely carve up this game. Right, we'll put me down for Clint Gustafson as first try scorer and eventual score 30 points to 18 in the Eels' favour. Um, the Combank uh, home field advantage getting us well over the line. Um, yeah, we've had a pretty happy outing against the Broncos. 25 to 21 victory. Uh, sorry. Um since 98 and um, a couple of those finals games you can't remember can't forget the 58 to nil at Combank Stadium so there might be some uh, demons to be excised from the Broncos <laughs> squad there what a game that um, was too jeez yeah um, when's the last right. time we played them at um, Combank because I know we had a few COVID years in the Darwin game we rolled them at Darwin you're right Bertie because Mitchell Moses did that uh, karate kid uh, try assist for Guffo down the sideline. Hang on, let me just have a quick gander. I'll have a look at our head-to-head. Um, so this was Darwin, Brisbane, Sydney. It would be back in September. Uh, September. September? September 2019. That would be the, the finals game. No, September it? 2020, apparently. 26-12. A double for Guffo. Blake Ferguson, Jai Field, and Micah Sever all scoring Mitch Moses 3 from 5. And uh, for the... For the uh, Broncos, it was Tom Dearden and Tyson Gamble in the halves. There you go. So Tom Dearden obviously moving on to greener pastures. Darius Boyd was fullback back then. So, huh. yeah. End yeah of walk through memory lane there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, did we want to wrap this one up here? Or did we want to talk about the next couple of weeks of the draw? Because we've obviously got seven games left. Um, and our next four games, including against the Broncos, are all top eight teams. Um, so... What are we thinking over the next couple of weeks? Do we need to go three and one at least? Three and one would be huge. Um, You know, starting with the Broncos, you got the Penrith Panthers who are just, I know we've beaten them, but they're just on another level to the rest of the competition right now. And I think we'll put our best foot forward against them. Uh, But then you go to Four Pines against Manly and the Woods almost been reversed. We used to absolutely roll them all the time, but they seem to have a a good matchup against us. And we need to not drop between that and the Rabbitohs. That's a tricky back-to-back battery of games there. And I don't think we can afford to drop two of them. Like, yeah, I, I reckon it'll come down to the last week against Storm. The winner will get fourth, in my opinion. Um, I, I have us, to be honest, winning every game except for Manly away and maybe Broncos away. But I feel as though the last game will be for battle for fourth. I think Cowboys will fall out. I think they'll just they've got too many injuries or they've got a few injuries piling up. And my top four will be um uh sorry did I get that right sorry my top four will be Penrith us Broncos. I don't know. Stop throwing someone else in the bar. I just feel as though it'll come down to the last week. First night football against Storm. You got the Sharks in there, the Storm in there. Sharks, that's it. I, I feel as though they've got an easy draw. They got um, they versed the bottom six or seven twice, and um, they only versed the no one from the top four twice. So, yeah, I just feel as though um, it'll come down to the last week against the Storm. Yeah, Sharks got a really easy one home. Oh. I think that our best bet is uh, Storm just being injured. Um, How did all these mediocre teams thinking have in that way? Good draws. I don't understand. When you're shit, 
your draw is meant to get harder because you've got to play more good teams. And yet the Eels have consistently been finishing, you know, uh, week two finals and whatnot and and keep getting the, you know, top two or three hardest draws in the competition, whereas all these other teams have got these beautiful runs. I don't understand. Well, it's based off ratings. Like, you look at it, like, we, we have to verse Penrith twice every year no matter what. Storm, we seem like we verse them twice every year. The Broncos twice every year. Like, there's certain teams guaranteed we verse them twice, and then there's other teams where we only verse them once. Like, you look at the Warriors this year, we only get them once. Um, Newcastle only once, which is, you know, a, bit, a blessing. But, like, it's just, we play the Bulldogs, Manly, Penrith, uh, Tigers twice every year guaranteed, and then you had Storm, and the, yeah, it's just yeah, I don't know, it's it's what weird, can you do? weird, but yeah, I mean, in a way, maybe we, we've talked about this in in recent seasons where in twenty twenty we had a I think what was considered a favourable run into the finals, and it probably didn't do us a world of good. Whereas last year it was a much more battle hardened approach to the finals, and we we're able to uh, get past Newcastle in week one, and then yeah, you know if it weren't for some really tough calls and missed calls and alongside that crisis the dummy half probably should have beaten Penrith Panthers so perhaps this is what the team needs and with that uh, adjustment that Brad Arthur and the club has spoken about in terms of how they're going to handle load management and preparation on the back half of the season to ensure that we don't burn out maybe we're going to be really well positioned and we'll get the wins we need and head into the finals you know roaring at, at you know fifth gear and full force yeah definitely it's got to load up ready for that first couple of games uh, mm-hmm. in September, uh, but get that consistency across the rest of and, the season. I mean, we, we've spoken about it, but it's also worth mentioning, was it seven games left? Five of them are home games. We go to Four Pines, we go to Suncorp. So uh, we're playing some good teams, but we're going to be doing it at Combank, where we are a pretty good team. Yeah, I think three of them are actually sold out. So the Panthers, the Bulldogs, and I believe South's game sold out, so... You know, bumper crowds at um. Damn. We should have. We should have. We should take care of ourselves. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I guess with sharks there, I see you could probably see them dropping three of those games, or potentially four, depending on where the Rabbitohs finish. Then the Rabbitohs, yeah, like, you know, with the form of Latrell at the moment, like you know that they're a completely different team to what they were at the beginning of the season. So but they have a harder draw. Like they got a very hard draw, uh, Rabbits. So if they do make the finals, they deserve it. But. That's why I'm not too worried about um people below the teams below us. It's more so catching Broncos, um, especially when we've got them playing them twice. All right, well, let's focus on what we can focus, which is the Eels, and that'll be kickoff uh, on Thursday night at Parramatta Stadium from 7.50. So hope to see you all at the game, and for those that can't go, uh, you've got plenty of ways to tune in. Um, so we might wrap it up there, and uh, hopefully we see another win and a string of three in a row. Cheers, boys. Catch you next time, boys. Thank you.